Welcome to More Than a Mission, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to discern God's calling to live an active, intentional life of sharing the gospel. Each week, we talk about the way God is moving in our lives, around the world, and everywhere in between, as well as how God's call to missions may apply to your life. Ready to explore your calling? Welcome back to another episode of More Than a Mission, everyone. Uh, my name is Micah Torgerson, and I am joined in person with Andrew Carlberg. Crazy, right? How you guys doing? <laughs> and our other host, Zaya Henderson. What's up, guys? We have a very special guest on the podcast tonight, uh, Connor Gall. Connor, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, Connor. Before we jump into anything world race re- related, we just love to uh, let you share a little bit about you, you know, where you're from, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Connor. I'm 27 years old. Just turned That's 27 so in June. <laughs> yeah, it's weird being 27. It's uh, I can like, I'm starting to talk about my age a little bit because I feel like I can, but then people still roll their eyes at me because my friends are typically a little bit older or my parents because I'm talking to them mostly being living at home and stuff. But um, 27 feeling like I, you know, my age matches some of the wisdom I've, I've earned and fought for. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I grew up in Lake Trobe. If you know who Arnie Palmer is um, or even uh, Fred Rogers grew up. Fun fact, Fred Rogers childhood home is like right down the street from where, I, from where I grew up. So you could say I grew up in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. <laughs> if you're a fan of dad jokes, then we'll be friends. <laughs> um, and I, I grew up very conservatively. So I grew up in a independent fundamental Baptist church for till the time I graduated. I went to the Christian school there, which was basically a co-op. I graduated valedictorian because I was the only graduating high schooler that year. Uh, it was just me yeah there was like 19 kids in the school from kindergarten to 12th grade right so the whole like it was super small I went to uh went to bible college in California so it was a really small bible college in like the armpit area of California so you got like really cool places in California right you got LA you've got San Francisco you've got um San Diego and uh Yosemite like all these amazing places and I went to Lancaster which is like desert and just <laughs> dry. And it was also a very conservative school, uh, but I was there for four years, made some friends, and kind of like uh, missions was always on my radar. It's what I went to Bible college for. Um, thought I was going to get into it kind of like the traditional Baptist way of traveling around, raising support. But then uh, when I graduated, things happened in my life in a series of events that really humbled me and brought me to a position where I just had no idea what I was doing with my life. So I, I've been well acquainted with like everything going well for me up to a point. And then my little, what I like to call my Jenga tower that I had been building kind of like collapsed. And I was just like, man, God, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I realized I was depending a lot on, my, on myself. And so then through God kind of like reconstructing me, um, I was able to find the world race and, uh, and it's just been a, a huge turning point in my life that has taken me from really like performance and trying to please people to, to freedom. And so that's like my testimony in, in short. That's awesome, man. I really love that you shared that mostly because I can relate to it a lot. I also had a very conservative background and kind of just like built this life according to kind of what society tells you you're supposed to do. And I sure. was doing really good at it until like I just felt like this is an awful life that I'm living and Hmm. I found the world race and it's already changed my life and we haven't even left yet (laughs) dang dang that's 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 an amazing testimony to the to the race just like I was talking to uh Isaiah a little bit before you guys jumped on you guys were saying how you guys have been able to like talk with one another do bible studies and stuff together and already building that community which is what the race yeah, is all and about. I are actually homeless right now, driving around for really? like five weeks while working remote. Yeah. <laughs> no so kidding. We're both able to like keep the jobs that we had. I work as an accountant and Andrew's an actuary. Um, but with COVID and everything, like that's Andrew and I keep talking about it. It's like our squad would not be anything where it is if COVID hadn't happened. 
Like, wow. COVID came in and it freed up our schedules, like to the point where we were spending like eight hours a night sometimes on a Zoom call with each other and like just insane amounts of time getting yeah. to know each other. And I think this past summer, I've probably spent just as much time traveling around the country, visiting you guys <laughs> than I was like actually at my house. And now 100% <laughs> spent more time doing that than I have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, I moved out of my house, not this past weekend, but the weekend before and mm -hmm. we're just figuring it out. <laughs> so where are you guys, where are you guys at? Uh, right now we're in a small town called Athens, Tennessee, uh, staying with one of our squad members named Caitlin. Um, but I guess a little bit about me, I'm from Wisconsin, so I just left the Milwaukee area. Yeah, and I'm from, grew up in Wheaton, which is like a suburb of Chicago, but then lived in Indy for college and then the five years post. I'm also 27, so I feel the old stuff. Uh, and then, Let's go, dude. <laughs> like I get foot pain now when it gets humid outside too quickly, like, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're I here. Feel we've, it, been dude. here for, we've been here for 10 days and then now we're... Uh, we're gonna drive to my parents for an afternoon, to Micah's parents for an evening, and then we're going all the way to California and back. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's been a crazy journey so far, um, but loved every second of it. The community aspect is what I'm enjoying the most. Like, I've never been in a community like this where, like, people are just living intentionally for the Lord. And I say living intentionally, even though sometimes like we're just living life and we just happen to be put in these circumstances where we have these crazy opportunities to share the gospel. And it's incredible. It's not something that I've ever experienced before. Um, so I'm just taking it in as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and enjoy it because I think like, I don't know, when you meet people who are excited, right? And you guys are in the stage right now where you're like anticipating there's excitement and you're like, oh, we just want to do the thing. Like we want to go out. We want to like, we've been having these podcasts. We've been talking to people. We just want to like do it and, and the freedom to be able to drive around and um, have a good conversation and just connect with the Lord, connect with brothers and sisters. It's just, uh, it's an exhilarating thing. And I think that's like one of the biggest, most beautiful parts of the race is being around other people who are also on mission, you know, or who are also like for building the kingdom. It's just infectious. Yeah. 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 So taking a step back, what did you graduate with? What did you do with it like immediately? And then how old were you when you actually went on the race? Yeah. So in 2015, I graduated. Um, I think it was like 200 of us graduating. The school was like, there was like a thousand people. And I had a double major by the end of it. Um, I had a major in pastoral theology and then in missions. And I don't, I don't want to throw any shade on my, my undergrad program. The missions, the missions like classes weren't um, maybe what I was hoping for. There was a couple good ones, but the training I got through the world race, actually, I wanted to, you know, I do give them credit. They do a great job of like giving you good content. And so I think that's why I focus a little bit more on like pastoral stuff is because I got to dive into more theology, got to like really um, dive into scripture. It was, it was kind of like a conservative view of scripture. They weren't necessarily giving us kind of like, let's lay out all these different perspectives. Um, but I, I did have a, I feel like I got a good biblical foundation and um, had some good practical experience as well. So I was kind of like that Christian school kid who, you know, like you mentioned, Micah, like I was just kind of bred to do this, like from a young age. And I just, you know, knew how to do the ministry thing. It's what I loved. I loved people. So I had a perfect setup graduating. Um, I was working for my pastor um, at, at my, you know, parents' home church, which had become my church. Like my family had moved whenever I went off to college my freshman year. So I came back to a brand new church, brand new like neighborhood and community, but I, I got integrated pretty quickly. And this pastor was well-known at my college. I looked up to him a lot probably too much to be honest and I got to work underneath him and I was just doing everything I could to like make to please him really to just say like I want to I just want to do my best I want your approval like I was really like after his approval and so I just said yes to everything I became the video guy I became the graphic 
the graphics guy, which I had no training in either of those. Um, I was the outreach director. I played music for the teenagers worship on Wednesday nights. I led like a singles Bible study. I ran the slides every single Sunday for like, you know, and I should have delegated, right? I had all these things. I taught a Bible class in the Christian school and I just got burnt out pretty quick, but I didn't want to admit defeat. I didn't want to go to him and say, I can't do this. Um, so I just kind of bottled it all up and just got really bitter. Um, eventually I started getting like so stressed out with all the work that I developed all this acne. So I just like broke out like crazy and I was super ticked because I was like, man, I, uh, you know, I got to get a girlfriend eventually. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to be looking good and stuff. So I put myself on Accutane. I had the money to put myself on this really intense acne medication that with everything else going on in my life, this pastor actually just announced this was 2016. He announced that he was leaving the church right around the same time that I was like feeling stressed. Same time I would put myself in this medication and I just got like really depressed. The probably darkest like little period of my life was when I was on this medicine and it's like this perfect storm of everything just throwing me for this loop. And I just, I was just like, I hate this. Like I hate life. I hate ministry. I hate showing up for church. I would like put on the smile for like work and church. And then I just go home and I'd like, lay in bed and just watch Netflix or whatever, just anything to kind of escape the, um, the sadness that I felt inside, not knowing that I needed to like let people in until I had a meeting with my dermatologist and she was like, have you been feeling any depression? And I was like, yeah, actually <laughs> I, I have been. And, um, and so she was like, Oh, okay. We're going to take you off the medicine. And she signed me up with a therapist, which, my pride was like, yo, I'm not, I don't need a therapist. I got Jesus, you know? Yeah. And I met with this guy and I, I was pretty prideful the first couple of times, but I, I ended up learning a lot about myself and a lot about like self-care and the journey of learning who I actually am, not who, um, not what religion says I am, not how other people define me, not what I do, not like the things I do for Christ, not defining me, but like what God actually says about me as being the basis of my identity. And I, um, so something that I have always loved throughout was like mission. So I kind of left, um, I left that church. I started working on a master's and the following summer I had a couple opportunities though to take a break from my master's and go on a couple missions trips. And that kind of like reignited the, the flame inside of me to say, oh yeah, like this is what I feel connects me to purpose. And I had been meeting people who had done the world race. Like once you start looking into it, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, this person did it. Or like, oh, they have a friend who did it. And all of a sudden it's like, God, is that you? You know, are you talking to me right now? Because all of a sudden, like everybody does the world race. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so it was just, it was that thing that I was like, ah oh, man, if I was younger or if I wasn't like in this circle of Christianity because the race looks a little charismatic, it looks a little like Holy Spirit based, which is unpredictable. And the way that I was taught was just like, it it needs to have a solid foundation in the word. Otherwise it's just going to get off, off back. And so I was like, ah, like people would say stuff. I don't think that's actually for me. Maybe in another life, maybe I missed my shot. And it just was that thing that was too good to be true. Maybe, you know, mm -hmm. until I uh, decided and I told Zay this until I decided to move to North Carolina, just to kind of like, I needed a place to continue working on my master's to save money. And uh, I decided to move near my best friend and just be a part of his church, his community. And so I moved to North Carolina and instantly when I got there, it was like a good setup, right? Like I was, I was actually working at Target, um, but it was a good, it was a good team that I was working on. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had. And I worked for a church and that's kind of a shame to say, but I enjoyed the work and it was simple. And they say, if you don't know what you want to do with your life, do something you don't enjoy because they realize what you would rather be doing. So sure enough, I'm like stacking shells at Target. I'm just like, man, missions, like that's the world race. And so when I got to North Carolina, I just knew it wasn't the spot that I was supposed to be. And that turned out to give me like the courage to actually apply one day, just randomly. I was like, well, they're offering like 50 bucks off if you apply now. So I might as well just apply. I'm not saying I'm going to go. I'm just going to apply, you know? And then I got in. And actually through course of events, my grandma ended up passing away, my mom's mom. And she was like the one grandparent who 
was very supportive of my like pursuit of missions. My, my extended family, um, some of them are Catholic and, and uh, I have a great relationship with them, but they're not uh, necessarily believers or followers um, of Jesus in the way that my family is. And so um, they've always been like really supportive of me, but like my grandma especially was just interested. And I was like, ah, oh, man, life is short. I, I was just feeling grief from my grandma and, and knowing that she would have been proud of my choice to go on this trip. And I actually had one of my aunts and my mom, like they just came up to me and they said, Hey, like, if you choose to do this, we're going to support you. And like, we're going to support you financially. And so that was just kind of confirmation to me that I needed to, I needed to do this thing. And um, using my grandma's kind of like some motivation to, to like give myself the, the final nudge to actually start fundraising and, and, and take the shot that, I was scared initially to take. Yeah, I relate to that on a lot of levels. Uh, I'm 27 and I'm just now going. And I would tell you- Bro, there's no better time. <laughs> right? I like, I hid behind that call for five years. The excuse I always used was like, biblically, I saw all the disciples sent out two by two. And so I always hid behind like, well, I want someone to go with, which like probably realistically meant I want a wife. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, don't like, we all. <laughs> and the uh yeah the lord just like spoke really clearly through that specifically the parable of the talents just like the idea that the two and five were rewarded for their willingness to risk not the fact that they like brought back a double return like the one that was rebuked just because he played it safe and he didn't like he was unwilling to risk and step into a life that wasn't certain and so it was just like the lord spoke super clearly a lot more to it but it's like completely relate to like pushing it off and off and off. And then the Lord finally like creating a situation that was just like, yeah, no, you're going to do this thing. Whether you've like hid behind it for years or you're just like finally going to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. A couple, I, I think you guys asked how old I was. I was 25 when I, um, I turned 25 going into my training camp in 2018. And I was going to say, how cool is it that you're like, you guys are together right now, literally in this video. <laughs> so it's like, sometimes it takes stepping out and taking the risk and then god said here i'll bring that like brother to you i'll bring like a community to you i'll bring your two by two like whatever Sometimes <laughs> it takes you like taking the step you know and uh and yeah it's it's like god was saying like connor i i the things i have for you are good like mm -hmm. you you can kind of get in your head you can get in your own way and you can choose to not walk into it but like look at this i got you it's for you and i was thinking that like oh, it's almost like too perfect for me. That must mean God's, it's not God's plan. You know, it's just so funny how we like overanalyze uh, everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you gave us that target story, Connor, because I feel like that's almost exactly what I walked through. Um, just in the sense of I graduated high school and had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with life. But just I went to college and chose a major because that's what you were quote unquote supposed to do. Um, and I got to a point like my junior year of college where I was kind of starting to realize, okay, maybe accounting isn't the most interesting thing. And I don't know if I would really enjoy it, but I've already spent two years in college and I'm not going to quit now. Like I'll get my degree and figure something out. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I'm a big believer that there, there's really like nothing ever happens on accident. Like coincidence isn't really a, a word in my vocabulary, um, but I've never really looked at it in that way of, you know, God puts us in a place where we're doing something that we don't like to do because it shows mm -hmm. us what we don't want. And like, it shows us what we do want. I've never really looked at it that way. So I'm really glad that you shared that story with us. Yeah. yeah. I also 100%. very much relate to the like, life of doing ministry and that meaning that like the route means well you have to be a pastor and you have to do this and you have to do this and like i think i've just learned and i've like had the chance and the opportunity to like teach and to preach and do all of those things and like been told over and over well you should be a pastor because like you're good at talking <laughs> and yeah reality just being like but like if i don't live that out experientially like i'm not my life's not ministry like i can teach and have all these platforms all i want but like if my life isn't committed to like actually living that out experientially then like what i'm doing is worthless and so i think that is like yeah. so much so the beauty that i see in world race is like <laughs> the freedom from responsibility of anything but to like go and to like live a life that is intentional and like 
amid circumstances that will be interesting and maybe not fun at times and like really hard and all of that. But like the freedom of an entire year to just like let your life get rooted in that kind of lifestyle and then just yeah. like go from there. So I'm curious on that line, you probably have like 5,000 answers to this question, but like, I guess starters, where did you go? And then in that, like, what are a few things that like the Lord really taught you through the world race? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I chose the route that went through Nepal because I was like, yo, if I get a chance to see Mount Everest, I'm going to take it. (laughs) And then, um, it also went through Peru. And so I was very excited for the chance to see Machu Picchu. So I I was very like, I love the travel. I love the world. I knew that missions was like a genuine desire in my heart too. So I didn't feel bad about like choosing a route based off of some of those like more physical, like maybe selfish desires, but my route was Colombia. Um, so we were in South America for five months, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, then Argentina from Argentina. We hopped over to India, which I had been in India before. So I was kind of curious about seeing a new part of India and being there again. Then from India, we went North to Nepal. And then from Nepal, we went to Armenia and Georgia, which is East of Turkey and then Romania. And we're supposed to finish Albania, but we ended up finishing in Spain uh, to do the Camino de Santiago, which was like um, one of the most amazing things. Actually, it's like basically a year ago, I was, I was finishing up the, the Camino, which is, which is wild to me. It's like, I feel like so much has happened within the past year. It's crazy that if you like turn back the clock 365 days, I'm still on 11 and 11. Yeah. Um, but one of the big things that God was dealing with me about was, was trust the entire time. Um, I, uh, I came into the world race a little cocky, a little, little excited about making videos and, and trying to become like the next like world race vlogger. I'd watched, uh, Caleb Paul's videos. I'd watched Julia Robertson's videos and I'm competitive and I'm like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to try and like do better than those guys. And, and, uh, Julia, like, I don't know why I ever thought I would like get more subscribers than her. She's got like 30,000. I have like 2000, <laughs> but I was just like, video was like a big, it was really like where I was, it was like my new source of identity. It's like, I'm going to like connect the mission field with the, like the American church so that they can actually see what it's like and in kind of like an entertaining and engaging style. And at training camp, God was like, I don't want you to film. We did this like prayer exercise and I just felt like that was the thing he was asking me to do. And so that kind of set the tone for like, Connor, I, I know that you trust yourself. And I know that you trust your ideas of me, but I want to teach you what it's actually like to trust my character, my word, my spirit. Um, because I am the one who knows best for you in every single aspect. And I had thought that I had done a pretty good job of like taking the hands off of my life or off the steering wheel, but the world race quickly showed me that um, I just like control and I like uh, to hedge my bets. And I don't like, I don't like to give up the thing that scares me. But in that release is where I just, I just unlocked a new, like what maybe the Lord unlocked it for me. Like I just, this level with the Lord where I was like, whoa, like I actually can step in obedience and he's going to provide $18,000. I can actually like give up my camera and just enjoy the simplicity of imagine this human conversation. You know, I can, I can um, trust God that like I am complete in him, whether or not I get married, like a girl finding a wife doesn't, I'm not incomplete before that happens. Like I'm complete in Christ now and I can trust that truth instead of buying into the lie that says like, oh, Connor, you're never going to quite be there in ministry or whatever in life until you find this person. And so all of these little ways that I had my eyes on other things than the Lord, it just kept coming back to him, kept coming back to trust, kept coming back to um, working on me. Like the classic, you know, I thought that I brought a lot to the table to serve others with and in ministry, but God's like, I actually have a lot for you that we're going to, we're going to take you into the shop and jack you up and we're going to get underneath the hood. We're going to get underneath the the car itself. And we're going to do some work, you know, because if you're going to go the long haul with me, which is kind of like the point, right? Like, I don't know, um, Andrew, how you feel about this, but it's like, we're coming up on 30 and that's when Jesus started his ministry. Yeah. And it's like, man, 
all this expectation to be a pastor or like to have your career figured out at age 18, 20, 22. It's like, man, we have a lot of time to like walk with Jesus and experience him maybe before he's going to put us in our, you know, biggest place of influence or our, the place that we're going to plug into for 10 years, 20 years, whatever. Um, so trust was a big one, probably like the, just a good general theme for me. Yeah. I think it's really <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. And you talked about identity earlier. Like the thing that makes me think of is Jesus's baptism, right? Hasn't done a single mm. thing yet. And the Lord says like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Like the father was well pleased in Jesus before a single moment of ministry ever happened. Yes. Snaps, dude. <laughs> Somebody spoke that over me, I think, at training camp. They were like, do you know that God like already says well done to you? Mm. And that was revolutionary for me because I had kind of like, I'd settled my salvation. I knew that I was like his kid, but I was living in fear. Was like, what if I don't hear well done one day? What if I get to heaven? And that's such like a Connor focus. But I was literally like, always in the back of my mind, there's that voice like, what if you don't hear this? What if you don't hear this? You're not good enough. You're not doing things good enough. And then somebody just was like, yeah, like, look at what God said to Jesus before he did anything. Like, God is proud of you. And that was just like a simple but like mind-blowing thing for me that changed a lot. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. So then I have a question for you about like, what did your transition back to America look like post-race? Yeah. So it's funny, I'm actually kind of still in that transition. I, uh, I got back from the race last year, August 2019. I was home for 12 days, and then I went back out onto the field for seven months to squad lead gap year. Um, so gap year is a program that the World Race does for 18 to 21-year-olds, or maybe it's 20-year-olds now. Um, and they do uh, three countries in nine months, so they're in a country for three months at a time. And I'm at this point, I'm so glad that I said yes to that. I was really nervous. I was a bit insecure about like leading. Um, the world race kind of brought up some, some things that like, I thought I was a solid leader and the world race showed me that I still have a lot to learn. And so I was like, ah, maybe this isn't for me, but I'm very glad that I did that. The, the young people I got to lead and partner with were incredible. They taught me so much. Also gave me a chance to like travel a bit more before things have kind of like shut down a bit. So I'm glad I got to scratch the itch a little bit more too. And, <laughs> operating some of the operating some of the things that I had been learning on my 1111 and so we actually got pulled off the field in March from Thailand um, at the beginning of our month seven due to the coronavirus like you know aim brought like 600 of us home so I remember getting the call we were like one day we're just like you know having a great time and we get this call leadership and they're like hey we got to get everybody home and you're leaving tomorrow at 7 a.m it was like we got that call or no, sorry, we got the call in the morning. And so it was like, we had less than 24 hours to get everybody to break the news and then wow. to get everybody ready. And it was just a crazy transition. Um, so transitioning home has been, um, it started off okay. Like uh, quarantine was great for me. I got to just get some quiet and some, uh, some rest with my parents got to FaceTime people, but kind of like set boundaries. So I'm not just overwhelming myself. I eventually got antsy. And so I started doing what you guys are doing, road tripping around. Um, so this June and July, I just drove everywhere. And then I kind of got tired <laughs> really fast. And I was like, oh man. So there was part of me that was super excited to slow down. Part of me that needed to speed up because the pace of my life has been pretty quick these last few years. And so I would say that I finally hit a bit more of a stable stride with transition. Um, but I've, it's, I've, it's also been confusing, you know, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do for work right now. I, <laughs> I'm super used to freedom. And just, I love people. I love ministering and encouraging my friends. And um, I have some ideas of things I could do, but it's hard for me to like commit to one. Um, and then I'm also questioning just a ton of just random things like the way that I think and it's like, ah, uh, I've been putting pressure on myself to, to go overseas as a missionary, but now that I may not be able to do that, are my motives actually right? Is that like kind of selfish of me or should I be looking elsewhere? And so I'm kind of just in this weird phase of, do I need to just do something? Do I need to look 
question into this thing more. So it's, I'm a bit, I'm a bit all over the place, but as far as my, um, my heart, my walk with God, my disciplines right now, they're getting more steady. So I'm still figuring it out, dude. (laughs) The question that I've like loves to ask everybody I know who's like has gone on the race is just like knowing how easily it can be. I think you had mentioned you had like done some missions before, like as someone who's like done missionary work before in a shorter term, like it's really easy to put expectations on like what you think the race is going to look like. And so I'm curious if there was like any expectations you had going in that you watched the Lord just like tear down. Yeah. And I would love to hear what you got, like what expectations you guys have currently. Cause I think that'd be really interesting. Um, and I heard a great statement recently, like expectations, if we're not careful, can turn into resentment. Um, and so making sure that those expectations aren't what we're holding on to is a, is a tricky one. But I, um, I didn't have much expectations with my teammates. I was just like, yeah, like we're going to serve the Lord together, but it's probably not going to be that intense. And um, you actually spend a ton of time with your teammates and you actually like, get vulnerable with people and you ask each other deep questions and you're spending so much time together that those relationships become huge. And they're the relationships that you're, you know, you guys are experiencing right now before the race and that you're going to carry with you, you know, into the rest of your life. Cause you just go through this crazy experience together. Um, I think actually, as I think about it, I don't know if I had any crazy unhealthy expectations um, I told you guys about it, like wanting to make videoing a huge part of my experience. And by the time I got to the end of the race, it just wasn't that big of a deal. I, I feel like I kind of got more solidified in who I am and videoing, vlogging, YouTubing wasn't like a crucial part of my identity anymore. And so God definitely tore, tore that for me. Um, and then the expectation that I have to, I got to guy in the spotlight all the time or that I I gotta like make this thing happen if things are going bad because I can kind of step in and do whatever but I need to let my teammates help me I need to let them play to their strengths I need to learn how to rejoice in the strengths that God gives others that was a tough one for me um because I you can you know how it is to be a guy like we can be insecure and we're like oh man but they're getting a pat on the back like where's my pat on the back and learning how to really rejoice um, with my teammates and seeing their strengths and just being like, oh man, you'd be great for this. Like, or like, man, you did such a good job here. Um, You're really gifted in this area and it's just amazing to watch you operate that gifting. Um, So I guess a lot of it revolved around my my teammates expectation wise. Um, But I think what came from it was just an appreciation for the people that God places around you and how you realize that you're not an island and you're not, you weren't created to be. But what are some expectations that or not necessarily bad ones, but like some things that you guys have in mind looking forward to the race? Zaya, why don't you start? Yeah, for me, it's a little bit different since this is my very first mission trip that I've ever done. <laughs> so it's Congrats, man. I'm going in here like very fresh, not really skeptical about anything, just like trying to see what's going to be like. So I'm excited just to learn what mission is is like so i don't really have any as of now yeah clean slate yeah (laughs) yeah you might find you have some whenever it starts you'd be like oh i did not expect (laughs) us to have like so little budget or whatever (laughs) i would say that i'm trying to get to that clean slate like i i mentioned i had that conservative background so i think and naturally i'm just kind of a skeptical person So I know, like, just for example, when I went on my first mission trip to Haiti, um, we went out into the village and the leader of our our trip stopped and prayed for this lady that was sitting on the the side of the road. And this was an older lady who said she couldn't see. So um, our leader put her fingers on this lady's eyes and started praying for sight to be restored. And I remember I kind of just looked at her like, what the heck are you doing? Like, this is yeah. never, this is something that I had never experienced before, like in church or in any kind of like service or ministry that I had done here in the States. Um, so I think that's one of going to be one of the biggest things for me is 
letting go and allowing myself to experience exactly what ministry looks like in all of these different places and to just let myself experience what the Lord is doing instead of saying, Hey, I didn't think it was supposed to look like that. Or, you know, like kind of, kind of just, just letting myself open up is basically yeah. what, what I need to be able to do. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. man. I think for me, one expectation is it's going to be pure chaos, but two, like, <laughs> I think like knowing myself and like looking forward to what I think it's going to look like. I've experienced seeing like crazy things like healing and like have watched the Lord do really cool things with that in the last two years. And so like that part of culture doesn't really like, I'm not intimidated about that part. Um, but I know that the piece of like expectation that I will come to is like what you're talking about. It's like really easy to want to like have control. And so I think for me, the way yeah. that, I see that potentially playing out is like my expectation of going on this 11 months and then like the Lord making a lot of the future really clear on like what I think that's going to look like. And I think realistically what it's probably going to look like is like, well, here's your first step when you get back and then like, trust me again. And so I think yeah, the expectation right. that I'm going to have to fight while on the like out is very much like being okay with where this 11 month, 11 months leads and like not knowing long-term what comes next. Um, and then I think one hmm. more that I have is it's really easy to, I can anticipate frustration coming in months where like I'm someone whose heart is just like really for evangelism. And so like knowing that there will be months where like we're out on the streets and we're preaching and we're teaching and we're doing all these things and sharing the gospel versus months where like we're carrying bricks around for a month. And so like yeah, knowing the expectation and like trying to prepare for there are going to be moments where like serving looks a lot less like how I want it to, but like having just like the choice to choose to have eyes to see like how the Lord is using that, how the Lord is moving in that as opposed to like, well, this is how we could do it better kind of thing. Yeah, man, it's so cool to see how you guys are thinking because it's like, it's just really funny to know what could happen because like, for instance, you might be like, you may not have a month where you're carrying around bricks and you're like only evangelizing the whole time. This is like extreme, but you're like, man, I kind of want to carry bricks, you know? Like, what the heck, God? Like, I, I didn't really know, I didn't want this, but I kind of did. Or like it happened to me my second month, we were working with crew. And so every single day, we were going into um, the, the colleges and we were evangelizing. Like, that's what we did every single day. And I grew up doing that. And so there's always this kind of like, it always turned out good, but there's always this kind of like unease about, oh man, like, I don't know. But on the days that I, that I was not feeling it, I'd be like, no, this is what I came to do. Like, this is, this is why I'm here. And so it's just funny how um, even when the things that do happen that we expected, it might be different. Or the things that we thought were going to happen that ended up not happening. We're like, oh, actually, I kind of wish that that would have, I wish I would have stacked bricks for a month. That would have been really interesting. <laughs> um, but I, it's also oh a, f a funny one that I was gonna throw out there is I definitely expected to have like a ton of terrible like sicknesses or like bathroom experiences. I just heard all these nightmares about <laughs> you know like travelers diarrhea <laughs> poisoning. I somebody told me this story where they're like they're on the toilet they're throwing up they're like you know having diarrhea like all at the same time. I'm like dude that sounds like it sucks you know? <laughs> and I was blown away guys like I'm this is like a I think it's a funny world race fact for me is I only, there was only three days where I didn't have access to a Western toilet. So like, you know how you got like a hole in the ground or yeah. like a squatty potty, which is like a porcelain, like slab, kind of like hole in the ground thing, but a little bit nicer. I only had three, <laughs> like there's only three days where I didn't have a Western toilet. My entire race, I had a Western toilet, which was pretty like unexpected, but it was, it was a good, it was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they like to throw never the stat that it's like 50 percent of racers poop themselves or something <laughs> bro if you ever want just like a fun time and so you know someone's done the world race just ask them their craziest poop story <laughs> sorry sorry for any squeamish listeners right now but it's <laughs> some people have some crazy stories <laughs> uh, yeah there's some there's some wild ones out there but i also i also love that you guys are kind of like in that zone of um 
uh, Zay, I don't know if, uh, if you grew up conservative or um, grew up more like connected to the Holy Spirit, but um, I can sense kind of like the, uh, you're trying to like, you're excited for it. You're curious. You're also like, maybe I'll keep it a little bit at arm's, arm's length, like um, praying for healing, whatever. I definitely was skeptical going in. I remember at training camp, not to give too much away, but they did like this like healing night. And I remember just diving into like first Corinthians 12, 13, 14 afterwards, just being like, what do I actually believe about the Holy spirit? And I think one of the greatest things that I did um, is that I just prayed to the Holy spirit, which I really didn't do a whole lot. And I was like, Holy spirit, I just don't know you. I just don't. I'm acquainted with the father. I'm acquainted with the son, which is one of my favorite questions to ask people is like, who do you feel most connected to the father, the son or the Holy spirit? Cause yeah, they're all one but he's expressing himself in these three different persons of the Godhead, right? So I was like, Holy Spirit, I don't know you. And I just want to put the ball in your court this, this time. If you want to like heal people through me, if you want to show me like some crazy demon stuff and you want to like kick their butts for me, if you, like, I don't need you to do that. Like, I believe in you. I don't need you to wow me, but I want to know you more and I want to put the ball in your court to do whatever, whatever you're going to do because I know that it's just – it's you're wild. You're not a God that fits in a box. You're a God who's wild. And so I want to be willing to see the wild side. And um, I think it's amazing when you like realize the balance and the beauty of spirit and in truth, you know, he operates like God is not just, God's not a non-emotional God. Right. Yeah. But this idea that like the Holy spirit only operates through emotion and then like the word only operates through facts. It's just like, it's just, a, it's a, you know, it's, it's, God is so much bigger. He's emotion. He's truth. He's, you know, he can interact with us with imagination. He can interact with us in so many different ways. And so it's like, I heard somebody say recently, it's one of my teammates, parents, they, uh, so I'm stealing, I'm, I'm plagiarizing right now. <laughs> they, uh, they took their kids to SeaWorld when, the, when my teammate was little and they went to see the, like the sea lion exhibit and it was time to go see like the stingrays or something else. So they pull the kids away from the sea lion exhibit and the kids start crying and they couldn't figure out why they were crying. And then they realized that they thought SeaWorld was just the sea lions. They didn't understand that there was all these other exhibits and there's all these other things to see. And um, sometimes we get that concept with God, I think, where it's like, God, you, you can only operate here or this yeah. is you. Anything outside of it is not you. And um, when you realize that God's, sea world is it's much bigger all of a sudden it's like wow lord there's just so much and um and the purpose is that it all comes back to glorify you like if it doesn't come back to glorify you okay we'll toss it but like man it's just you'd be praised because there's just so much depth to to the lord and you guys get to discover some new fresh things that you guys are already discovering because i can tell like you're just pumped. You're pumped because you're, it's fresh, right? It's fresh. Even the fear, even the, the, <laughs> the timidness, like the hesitation, that's good, man. That's so good for you. So good for your spirit. I love that story. Cause there's a story that I love to share about my childhood. That, like I love to like paint that picture with about like how it's so easy for us to like cling to these dreams that we have. And think like, oh, like the Lord would never touch that because like if he really loved me, he would know better than touch this area. But like mm. the reality is so often what he has is so much better. But like, are we willing to actually believe that? And so like the story I love to share with that is when I was, I was either four or five and I remember the age, but I got woken up in the middle of the night by my parents when, at like three in the morning with like telling me that we were going to the airport to fly to Disney World and like get to spend four days at Disney World. And I started crying because I was going to miss show and tell at school the next day. Dang. <laughs> like, you get to go and like party in Disney world and do all this stuff that you've like dreamed about yet. You're crying over missing show and tell. Cause like, that's what you, Oh, know, that's so that good. It's like <laughs> how often, right? Like we cry over like the things that we thought were coming when like what he's calling us to is Disney world rather than show and tell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good, man. Like you just don't quite grasp it until you're willing to like give up that thing that you think is the best ever. And then all of a sudden you see Disney world, you're like, man, can you imagine, can you imagine if you would have traded Disney world for to keep show and tell right. be a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a downer dude. 
Another question. Oh yeah, go for it. Has there been like a different impact of you being on the world race and squad leading? Yeah, that's a great question. Squad leading, squad leading was like when the cement settled a little bit more. I think like if the world race kind of like was the jackhammer that got the ground ready and then the cement got poured, squad leading was when it kind of like some things like hardened and I got, um, I got to not just experience God in a new way, but I got to like share what I learned and teach from what I learned and operate in some of the giftings that I had not just discovered, but also like put in the work to try and hone a little bit. And it was a great way to also um, just minister to, to people who were also excited about the Lord who taught me things. So I think, and this is where my Baptist background shows because I always want to like give three points. But <laughs> I think uh, I think I went into squad leading a lot more humbly and relying on God, just understanding it's like I can't do this myself. Like I went into eleven eleven, like I can do this. I've done missions before. I've done ministry. Like you know, I I, I know what I can bring. And squad leading, I was like God, like I just don't want to mess. I just don't want to mess anything up. And I just want to be so dependent and relied on you. Um, and uh, let's see. One of the biggest things I learned through squad leading was that it's one thing to serve and partner with God. But I think it's another level when you lead God's people. Because all throughout scripture, right, it's a story of God's relationship with his people. And he freaking love, loves his people. Like he just loves those guys. And so when he is flowing to his people and you get to like get caught in the middle of that flow, there's just like a measure of grace. There's a measure of energy. There's a measure of wisdom, of patience, of understanding. Like I could tell when I was leading that I was, um, I was saying like things were coming into my mind from like the Holy spirit, you know? So like being able to, um, operate out of that relationship, um, after I, having put in the work from 11 and 11, um, and then a couple like practical things like uh, gap year, we stayed in, I was in Guatemala for three months, Ethiopia for three months, uh, Thailand only for two weeks. But um, being in a place for three months was the longest I'd ever been in one place overseas. And the relationships you form are different. The goodbyes are harder. Um, I think actually like the, the days are, are, or like the day-to-day stuff where you have to I don't know. On eleven eleven, you're there for like three and a half weeks, and then you're moving. So things may not be going super well. It might be awkward. It might be like not as great. Then it's like, well, we're we're kind of moving on to the next thing. But if if things are hard in Guatemala and it's like a month and a half in, you're there for another month and a half. And you got to like figure that out. Um, and uh, and then you're also with the squad. We were with the squad the entire time in for gap year. So eleven eleven, right? You have your squad. And then typically you split up. The teams will split up. Not always, um, but typically that's what it looks like. So you don't see your entire squad for most of the trip. But gap year is like 45 of us were together all the time, pretty much, at the base at least. Our ministry sites were a little bit different in the daytime. But at nighttime, we're together. Um, in Ethiopia, we we're all together, like just crammed in. And so um, that was a different dynamic as well. But uh, I don't know. It's, 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 I'm glad I got to do both. I'm glad I got to experience um, being a participant with my people, my age and having a community that loved me for who I was when I laid out all my flaws and all my crap on the table. Um, and that I loved to have a community that like genuinely wanted to learn from me. Um, but they were also unashamed to teach me, even though they were a lot younger. And um, I, I, took huge value from, from both, but, um, you know, gap year, my leading wouldn't have been what it was if it wasn't for 11 11. Um, and because like I put in the work and I was willing to like be humbled and I was willing to kind of go through some hard things, it made the, the leadership aspect like so, so good. That's really cool. I was having a conversation with another one of our uh, squad members this past weekend, actually, we were talking about um, like holding leadership positions and she shared something that I thought was really cool in the sense that like leadership isn't having the right answers or like knowing what to do more times than not. It's just being that person that's there. 
like, and being that person that's open and, and sharing what they're going through. I know, um, like she had shared just her being in this place of in life where she thought she couldn't, like she wasn't deserving or like didn't have the qualities to be in that leadership position. Um, but to just open up and show the people that she was leading what she was walking through changed, like changed things for them far more than she ever expected. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's just like allowing yourself to be vulnerable and like being okay with not having the answers or knowing what to do. Yeah. And as a guy, that's hard, you know, like we want to have, we want to have those answers for me. It. Absolutely, man. Like yeah, if you're yeah. an independent person, you have to, you got to figure out how to, as Andrew just said, how to fix it. Yeah. Your pride's on the line, you know, like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm useless or, you know, like strong women who are operating their giftings. It's like, man, like who am I compared to these incredible women? It's like, I can fix something though, you know? Um, but especially, man, coming from a man, like the, the power of saying, I don't know, or I'm struggling. Like we know that it mentally, but until you like do it in front of people, um, you don't really understand like how, how far that can go and how powerful that is. And it's not, we don't do it for the sake of like, I want to have this result. Um, but it's honest and it's true. And um, I had to learn that the hard way for sure. My third month in Peru, I was a team leader like right off the bat. And I kind of got to this point where I was just like, man, I am tired. I, my teammates are asking me for a lot of logistical things and like admin logistical stuff is not my strong suit. And instead of telling them that I was struggling, that I needed help and that I needed to like call them out on some stuff or just be like, Hey guys, I, I would really appreciate if you didn't. Um, I'm feeling all this pressure and I just need to tell you about that. I need to ask for some boundaries. I just kind of like tried to do better and work harder. And I just started push. I like there was distance between me and my teammates and, until um, I kind of just like broke down, kind of like bottling things up again. So, yeah, having to learn how to be humble in front of people was something that I resisted for a little bit. Yeah. You guys have any other questions for Connor? I mean, we're already at an hour. I could ask you <laughs> questions all day. <laughs> but, yeah, I have a couple quick questions for you guys, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, just really fast. Uh, Zaya and Micah, how old are you guys? I'm 25. I'm 24. Cool, cool. You're all in that zone. And then me and Zay were talking off camera a little bit or off uh, before you guys joined that you guys have deferred to January mm -hmm. for your Correct. launch date. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, so, so that guys, was... Go yeah, ahead. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, it was a, it was a really interesting experience. Uh, I'll try not to get like too far into the details, but, um, world race leadership kind of told us August 3rd, we would be getting an update as to the details of our trip. We were supposed to be launching in October, uh, with our first country being Costa Rica and then traveling down Central America, South America, and then over into Southeast Asia. And just funny how timing works. Like the week before we were supposed to get that update email. Uh, about 20 of us happened to get together at one of our squad members houses in Virginia. And it was just this week full of us like pouring into each other and wow. all of us getting to know each other on like a deeper level than I could have even expected in a matter of a few days. Um, and then we get this email from world race leadership saying, you have these three options and like you, it's like up to you individually to choose what you want to do and wow. i just remember reading that email and like i was like god why did you just give us like such an incredible week pouring into each other and building this community and then give us this email and now it's it was almost as if we were all being torn apart because people started saying they were doing all these different options um but then just realizing the like the reality of it and like the the awesomeness that the Lord is saying he can use us here or he can use us here or he can use us here and like giving us that freedom to choose what we want to do rather than like just having that one specific calling. Um, it was definitely tough to make the decision. Um, but I guess I kind of had just stayed true to 
the reason I sought out doing the world race to begin with, which was international missions. Uh, so that is kind of what led me to choose deferring to January. Um, yeah. Not, not to say that there isn't mission work to be done here in the States. Uh, but I think if I'm going to give my 11 months to the world race, I want to explore that, those missions internationally. Yeah, pretty much the same. I think the thing that really threw us is I think most of us walked into that expecting them to be like, here's what your squad is doing. Like you're all being deferred. I don't think yeah. we were going to have three options and then like watch everybody go in different directions. Very similar for me. Um, I think for like Micah and I, which is pretty rare on our team is like we have jobs and like, so we can keep working in the, like <laughs> that we can like work remote. In. Rare for the world race. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> but so like in that there's a lot of freedom for us. Like there's not a huge, like we have jobs till January. Like if we choose to leave in January as opposed to October. And so for me, like I never, the only reason I left in October instead of August was because my grandparents had a 60th anniversary trip to Colorado in August that I didn't want to Wow. Take. Yeah, wow. That's I had awesome. no, there was nothing about October that drew me. There was nothing about those countries that was just like where I ended up because it was the earliest I could leave and it was the only route in October. And like similar to Micah, far more so for me, I think the huge tension that I'm hoping the Lord answers for me is like, I've done a lot of overseas missions and every time I would tell you my heart is way more alive when I'm there for like just the unreached people, but also a people who like are living in complete poverty, have nothing yet live with this immense joy and hope in Jesus that like, I just do not see here in the States. And so yeah, I, then actually, sure. I come back and my heart breaks more for the U S than it does for our was, even though they had nothing. And so like, I've wrestled with that tension so much of like, so do I go where I feel like my heart's more alive or do I go where I feel like my heart breaks more? And so like very much world race call was towards like this year to like long-term actually live into the other side that I've only experienced for like a month at a time. And like hoping that the Lord brings clarity over international versus us, like where hearts more alive or where heart breaks more. And so like my decision was pretty much completely based off of choosing the route that like, still leaves me all international because of that yeah yeah super cool and then zay i know you share with me already but i think it'd be cool for you to share why you chose to stay october yeah so i chose to stay october because i still feel that god has called me to october only because of the dream i've had with having sin me tattooed on me in every written language from my right side and god clearly saying i already shot you out so just go and I still believe that that's where I'm supposed to be. Dude, I just can't wait. I was going to no, say, go I can't wait for the day that uh, I see those tattoos on you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny. Like, I have two two concepts of tattoos I want to get. So I do want to get send me tattooed on me in every written language. But I also want to get FE squared with the lit match going through the FE squared for Iron Sharper's Iron. And then I want to get mm. everybody in house with me to design the tattoo for me and place around it to as show them that they had sharpened me and I had sharpened them. And people on my squad do the same thing. That's super cool, man. I love those ideas. I think the beautiful thing that I'm starting to see with this too is that it wasn't really God like splitting up our squad. If anything, it was him just expanding it even more. It's now like for me and Andrew, we're getting to meet all these new people that we're going to be going with in January. And Zaya is going to get to meet new people that are choosing that October route and also shows the beauty in like us starting this podcast because we, for one, had no idea where it was going to go. Um, once we were on the race, even if we were all in the same squad, like I wasn't expecting all three of us to be on the same team or in the same place every month of the way. Um, and so to be able to just now see the different things that the Lord is going to be doing through us in even more places. That's a great way to look at it. Like uh, an enriching and um, expanding versus, uh, yeah. you know, talk about expectations already being challenged right <laughs> off the bat, you know? Right. So it's a, it's a yeah, cool, the cool perspective. In the house church life is uh, multiplying, not dividing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's really good. And I don't know, maybe as like a fun way to, uh, to wrap this up is that, because I also love seeing reactions, is that I'm actually squad leading again for 11-11 this time around. And 
I'm still waiting to hear if I'm going to be placed on the October route or January. <laughs> so there's, there's a chance. There's a chance I might be uh, hanging out with you guys a little bit more. So that would right. be cool. <laughs> we'll that'd see. That would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be awesome no matter who we have. But <laughs> it'd be a little bit more awesome with me, though, right? <laughs> don't, don't tell anyone else that, though. We'll make sure no one sees this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll hide it. We'll cut this last part out. <laughs> that's, that's fun all right well if you guys don't have anything else for connor and connor if you don't have anything else for us i guess that'll do it uh thank you connor so much for joining us tonight it was super super great getting to honestly like to just talk to you for yeah. a while I'm, and that's one of the things that i love about having people on is that we just get to sit and talk with them it's not like yeah we don't have a plan for anything it's kind of just wherever the conversation goes uh, so I hope the people are able to enjoy that as well. Yeah, thank you guys so much for for uh, being interested and being awesome guys to talk to. It's great to see your passion and very excited to uh, to see how your story is going to unfold these next few months. <laughs> um, Maybe quite literally. <laughs> yeah, it's already a story, bro. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll call it a night here. Maybe uh, see you at training camp in October. <laughs> See you in training camp. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. See you, guys. Cheers. Bye. All right. We want to thank you for listening to More Than a Mission. For more information and to keep up with our ministries, follow us on social media at More Than a Mission Podcast or email us directly at more than a mission at outlook.com.